Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. talking about something today that the four of us have been kicking around as a potential idea since all the way back in the distant memory of 2022. Um, I, but it, it's sort of been, I think was maybe revived a bit uh, recently, Pierce. Uh, were you Were you saying that it was by... I had to jump off Skype for a bit. So was it something about the Grammys? No. So where I originally thought of this is I think Billie Eilish had a series mm. of concerts in Los Angeles where she is from and at one, you know, brought special guests up. And one of those guests that she brought up was Dave Grohl, who admittedly can, you know, huge audiences come to see Dave Grohl all the time and is certainly popular. The Foo Fighters are popular and Nirvana was obviously popular before that, but it was such an interesting juxtaposition of the old guard of, of the spit in your face rock music um, and the, you know, arena rock that continues to some degree versus this pop juggernaut who is, um, you know, also spitting in the face of convention in a way that I think is fascinating. But here it is, and the crowd goes, I-, I wondered if a lot of that crowd went, huh, yeah, I don't know who that guy is, but she's really excited for him to be up there, so it must be someone special. Um, I would just uh, just add, this reminds me of when I saw Bonnie Vare one time, and uh, Bruce Hornsby came and sat in with him for a while, and I knew who he was and Bonnie Vare talked about how he was you know amazed by him and this is so cool that he was there but when you have these juxtapositions like I happen to know who that was but everyone else is probably like who's this old joker up there and uh it you know made me think about where you know where does that genre stand that genre being rock though I don't Bruce Hornsby transcends genre so let's leave him out of this <laughs> so Naturally, in fairly classic, it's pretty okay fashion, I pushed back quickly and perhaps even more aggressively than I should have um, because I did a little bit of math. And and, and so I, I am not I, – I would not be surprised if far more people at the Billie Eilish concert than you realize – actually do know who Dave Grohl is because um, Dave Grohl made the music that their now dorky dads listen to. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, obviously he, he cuts a very different figure now than when he was the drummer for Nirvana, but like, you know, it would it would be on on some level because Nirvana was 
at the time that these kids' dads were in, like, high school or college, the biggest band on the planet, it would be sort of akin to expecting um, expecting someone in our maybe a few years older than us to like not know who Paul McCartney is or a ring. We'll call it. We'll even, I'll be generous and say Ringo star because yeah, Dave Grohl wasn't the lead singer of Nirvana. Fine. But, and, but then if Ringo had gone on to front uh, another uh, similarly large and famous band, you're telling me that Ringo's band uh, was what he had a number one hit after that. Uh, are you, really? <laughs> he did. Me? Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, uh, I, well, we can, we can check, but like he, he, he tried, but I, I don't know. I think that that's, <laughs> that's interesting is that, that like uh, what you say, there's like Paul McCartney was at the Super Bowl just now. He is still, he is still performing all the time. I don't know why. I mean, good, good for him that he can, but I, you know, there, there is, I think part of it too, is that I am, I am torn between like the weight of, of these genres and historically in, in popular music in, as long as it's existed in terms of like, Oh, we have, we have billboard charts and stuff, which has really probably since what, like the 1950s, maybe even the late 1950s to now, there was this, Mm -hmm. this long period of, rock music being the driving force but um and and so that's where like not that it's a competition but billy eilish versus dave grohl um and in in things of that nature but but i think kevin you as as we've we've seen super Bowl over the last couple of years we've had we've had rihanna we've had a celebration of west coast rap music to an extent last year we've had the weekend we have had um, Lady Gaga and Justin Timberlake and Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Like, I think you had, and and that filters a good way to look through it. But you had more of a, a of a general point and really a question about what it is we are trying to grapple with. Yeah, it's mostly thinking about how um, you know that shift is probably largely coming as we are a primary you know, demographic that us and the people that are a bit older than us are a primary demographic that they're trying to attract, but also just that this is the music that is defining the last few years or, you know, sorry, like the last 20 years while Foo Fighters may be the biggest rock band over the last 20 years. When you think about the early 2000s, you're, probably not going to think about Foo Fighters very soon. You're going to think about things like 50 Cent and uh, and The Weeknd and maybe not The Weeknd, but like Lady Gaga is a good example. I think that she will, you know, kind of stand the test of time, but I'm, you know, you know, who knows which of these will get filtered out and be like those 80 band, 80s bands that we think of as one hit wonders. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you said that because when we were talking before we started recording, you you said nineteen like nineteen ninety to two thousand twenty, and those are like five 
different distinct musical periods but this this phenomenon is something that chuck klosterman did a chapter of one of his books about uh i think the book is but what if we're wrong um and the chapter is about how over the long run like as you get further and further out from the time that a, a genre of music was like a fairly prominent art form uh it gets flattened down to the point where there is like one one artist whose work gets remembered you know as though it's the sum total of the genre itself and the examples if i remember correctly that he used were elvis presley bob dylan and bob marley you know what other what other like you know what other early like rock and roll back when rock and roll meant a very specific thing um that that was not like foo fighters or nirvana or led zeppelin or any other band like that like none of those other early rock and roll groups have nearly the the cultural significance today that Elvis does. We made a fucking movie about Elvis last year. Um, you know, but the average person doesn't remember any reggae artist besides Bob Marley. Yeah, well, I think, and I I guess that in a way this is a similar thing, but I'm more saying that you outsize the importance of like glam rock in the eighties. And like, it was like, there was no other music made in that decade other than what you hear on the eighties radio station, which is generally pretty repetitive. I I mean, and I think that, so there is a, there is a curious balance between thinking of the, and pop, pop music is such a difficult label. Like I I think it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's unfair because it, it does kind of um, flatten things out into what you're saying is like, what was the defining, what were the defining characteristics of, of the art in, in a period um, versus where, what were the ways in which kind of some of the, the boundaries were, were pushed. I mean, obviously in the, the eighties um, you did have glam rock and everything, but, but you also had, plenty of things that were were counter to that and you had a lot of like political music still coming out of the uk because they were living in the middle of the thatcher era or um uh our our band could be your life uh is is a book about in in america how there was a lot of music like that and and that did not necessarily define the era but it it kind of prepped a lot of i think the ears and um you know you know people who i think go to concerts all the time in the way maybe popular music listeners don't go to concerts all the time um for for what was was to come next so i think it's hard to think about that too like if you're looking back on on the last you know 20 25 years or something like there are really big artists but um you know maybe maybe we think more about the downstream impacts of that and how it impacted um you know other people. I mean, I would say one thing is like there have been a lot of, uh, you know, for every every artist like Future who who broke through in the last I don't know fifteen years or so. How many 
thousands of mixtapes came out from people who were like imitating that sound. And I think that that is an important factor as, as well in all of that as like, what is the era defining? Yes. We're talking about two different things, but you're, you're discussing the, the velvet underground phenomenon, which is the, the, the kind of old, old uh, axiom about the velvet underground is they may have only been like a hundred people's favorite bands ever, but every single one of those people went on to start a great band. Yeah. Um, and so like there is a, there is definitely a difference though between that kind of legacy and the legacy of being, you know, the Bob Marley who is the stand in for an entire genre of music. And I, I think, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm expressing a, a biased perspective based on, my own musical taste. I think the conclusion to maybe draw from the eighties is just that there wasn't necessarily a lot of like enduring music that really caught people's attention in the U S in the 1980s. Like, you know, Bon Jovi, like living on a prayer is a, a fun song to like shout along with when it comes on, you know, over the speakers at a sporting event or in a bar late at night, but like no one, no one is really going to remember John Bon Jovi as having like really progressed through the culture, but I'm not sure that that is what matters for this. So Max, this, this, you know, thinking of progressing the culture, and this is, I think something we're sometimes guilty of is like, we must progress in some ways. But Max, I think of you, and I think in some ways your musical tastes are a little more, um, the foundations are, are maybe in an era behind. And I, I think you were, <laughs> Ask yeah, him he, how many he, copies of Jethro Tull's Aqualung he has on vinyl. Or, or more importantly here, you know, all of the Fleetwood Mac that you listen to and enjoy, and there is a, you know, I, I think the, the younger folks enjoy that a lot too in some ways. And it is... Um, while it can be very powerful to listen to, it is also something we are used to. Um, I think that there are bands like Heim that mimic that in a lot of ways and to tremendous success. So I, I wonder, Max, with, with you, the idea of like there must must be progress versus like there is not unlike Foo Fighters, there is this framework that I am used to. And instead of having, you know, instead of having the white pizza at Mellow Mushroom, I'm going to go back to the red based pizza at Mellow Mushroom because because I I know that and I would like to see some some things built upon that that are maybe different, but not completely new. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's fair to have both. I mean, I, I don't know that it's uh I don't know that my my point of view on music is is totally regressive, but I, I certainly listen to a lot of older music. But um, I mean, I, I think there's a difference between music that stands the test of time and music that is progressive towards changing a genre. So, like Kevin mentioned, like the the radio stations that play you know hits of the '80s. In my mind, they're just playing what were the pop songs then. And there are radio stations and Spotify playlists yeah. that play the hits of the 90s. And you can sing along to all the songs. A lot of the artists, at least for me, it's like 
I'd say a third of them, you're like, I don't remember who this, and then you look it up, oh, it was Tonic. Like, I wasn't gonna remember that, but like, you know, that song was a hit and it was a pop song, but I do think that's different from saying like the artist that maybe changed a genre. Um, to answer your question though, I mean, I appreciate changing music and, and genres. I, I don't know why you can't have both. I guess I, I don't understand if your question is suggesting that, um, I, it's not that you can't have both. It's just, I'm saying that there, maybe there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, you know, continuing to go back to that established well, even if it, you know, not, not the same exact artist all the time, but the Foo Fighters are standing on the shoulders of, of giants. Whereas, you know, if, if you're comparing it to someone like Billie Eilish, who is one of the biggest stars in the world right now, she, you know, got off at the knee jumped off and, and is standing on a, a pillar nearby, but it, you know, is is different. It, it is different as opposed to that, that it's still progressive, but it's a progression on a very established thing. Yeah. Not, well, not every, not every band has a responsibility to like progress music forward. And, you know, I, I think, Part of this is that there's only so many boundaries that rock music can really push at this point because because and I think this is an important thing too. like Pierce, you mentioned that there was kind of salient and important political music coming out of the UK in the 80s during, you know, during the Thatcher era, the the world climate in which music happens must have some effect on how bands get remembered because like i mean think about it but you know bob dylan and then those folk folk artists of the 60s were you know prominent in part for railing against the vietnam war um you know the the 90, like the early 2000s, you had, you know, Green Day put a song on a record that was just like a, a fuck you to George Bush for the Iraq war. They like built a whole album around and every that other song. rock band. Right. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, lately, rock, um, rock at its most stereotypical. And I, I think this is a, a useful and important point. Rock at its most stereotypical is a genre of white guys. And it is specifically a genre of like straight white guys. Obvious exceptions aside, but like rock music, the the kind of rock music that we're talking about here and that, that gets talked about when you ask if rock music is dead like almost doesn't have almost can't have anything useful to say about like the the sort of cultural battles that are being waged right now which are heavily about like you know are, are we going to not get on guys? <laughs> are we going to get on the right side of history about race and gender and sexuality or or are we not like and so like that that cuts two ways like one is i don't want i don't think i really want foo fighters to like 
try to do that because it's only going to end badly. Um, but it all, it also means that like when you're, you're thinking about like, what is rock dead or like, what's gonna, what's gonna stand the test of time musically from, from this era. Like, I don't know. It seems pretty relevant, you know, in the context of the Grammys never having been less relevant than they are right now, but it still seems somewhat relevant that we have a first, uh, openly trans Grammy winner, Kim Petras, uh, for that song unholy with Sam Smith. Like that, that is the kind of thing that like has a chance to, uh, you know, cement her legacy. When we look back 30 years from now on, on this time musically and like who, who, who was important. Like I have a feeling that we will look back on, you know, on Kim Petras as, as like <laughs> will be more culturally remembered in 2050 than Dave Grohl will. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so in that, that gets to a point, which is when, when I'm using the term rock, I am using it really almost as a euphemism for that stereotype that you're talking about. And I right. think within that is like, which I did not realize that about, Kim Petras, I just knew that that was a very popular song. And so now I'm like, oh, this is cool. And that, what you've added is, that is the the confluence of music and music that is popular and music that is, you know, innovative in sound or, or for any number of things. And it is part of a dialogue. Like, think of all the, the dialogue and discussion that came from you know, Macklemore uh, some years ago winning a Grammy over Kendrick Lamar. Which which one of those artists is, uh, you know, has won some Grammys, but also won a Pulitzer since then and is continuing to innovate and be part of a dialogue? Like, for me, that's that's where that's where it is. Like, there there is a dialogue in this country now, and there's certainly one in the UK about drill music and people i say people that's not fair the police state freaking out about it and i'll be very interested to see how that how that continues to be part of a dialogue and discussion for years to come because there is musical innovation there are powerful artists and there are powerful forces against it and that i think is is the cool story that is yet to be told and when i call something rock music i am seeding seeding the floor and being like they are not like John Mayer could sell out probably any arena still and and does so with the the Dead and Company thing but is not is not an artist that is part of the dialogue anymore and and maybe that's because he already burned all his bridges with the media when he was part of the dialogue but that's that's how things have that's how things change I think I, I'm also not sure he ever really was that that's you might be right john john mayer uh, to me john mayer like i have listened to a lot of john mayer spanning across a lot of different eras and versions of john mayer musically speaking but like john mayer is one of those guys who looks backwards musically speaking i mean that like think about the fact that john mayer's biggest version of himself right now is with dead and company 
playing yeah. Grateful Dead tribute shows with Bob Weir. Like his previous phase was as like the last great guitar hero, you know, when he was doing covers of uh, Bold as Love by Jimi Hendrix on an album. Like that is fundamentally that is looking back to to something that and, was and there's nothing wrong in another that. time. No, not at all. Yeah. But like John not, Mayer was never to going to be remembered as somebody who like pushed the boundaries and moved music forward. Never was going still, to happen. And it's still like good. I mean, it was still very sure. Good. It's just it's kind of it is not it is not progressive. And I don't think and I think accordingly it is not it's probably not memorable i mean going back to your original your original question kevin like even though even though john mayer i went and saw him so many times he sold he's sold out tours again and again and again that is not going to be that is not the, the popular thing necessarily and it was also not the one where you're like oh by the way this is what was going on during that whole time it was an important part of the fabric yeah <clears throat> i think that it's also probably rock is hampered more than any other genre in that you expect certain instruments, whereas pretty much other genres you can say like, well, you could kind of have any instrument in there and like you'd be a, a pop songer and, and rap. You can do different things in the background. So I mean, they've also probably to an extent run out of things to do. So like if I, if I were to, if I were to think about a band like like Radiohead, I, I feel like I'd be much more inclined to think of them when I think of rock music in this time because they're like a band. I mean, I'm a big fan, or I was, but um, it's they do more interesting things than the Foo Fighters. And if I'm trying to listen to a catchy rock song, I'll probably, I don't know, won't, just won't default to the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I, I mean, I can, the fact that now I've listened to them way more, but like the fact that I can tell you and have a discussion with you about like, oh, this this Radiohead album was very critical or was conceptually focused on this. I don't know that the Foo Fighters that that is a discussion that Foo Fighters fans are having. And again, that's fine. But when I say rock music, I am talking about that as an example. It is pretty fascinating to to think of. Who is more catchy? Like catchy. Catchy is a, a fairly specific word. Radiohead or insert any other band ever and to choose Radiohead. <laughs> Bold move. Yeah, I don't see them being played on a lot of like hits of the whatever years they're from. They have no Maybe hits. Cre so if creep, they don't... creep will. Creep probably will. And and will yeah. they play creep? No. <laughs> They will not play creep. Right, like if you have to think about what radio station are these songs going to be played on, and like they would have to be played on the what we now call the classic rock station, and then you have to kick other things off of that station because there's only so much you know airtime on this theoretical one station. So yeah, isn't the other part of this that like this whole notion of what gets preserved via the the radio station? It, it's almost like a wasted question now. Because is that how people are listening to music anymore? I I don't think it's a wasted question. That is a funny way to ask it. No, but, but the, being, the difference is like when I say that. Yeah, like I listen to a lot of um, like 
a classic classics or classic rock station in um like a radio station driving around my town but realistically they Mm -hmm. only play like i don't know 300 songs and so the difference is like maybe now people are listening on spotify or apple music but they're probably listening off of playlists or albums and they're limited to some number of songs like you 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 may realistically have uh you know the ability to access millions of songs but through a combination of the albums and playlists you listen to your network and then an algorithm of suggested music there's still a huge portion of the musical pie that you're not going to get access to similar to how radio stations operate so like maybe it's not exactly radio stations but the same idea of like hey there's these 500 or so songs from the 90s that are the this popular the classic ones rock like playlist getting away from that list is, yeah. is going to be just as difficult as as the the radio stations of today i think I, i'm yeah i'm as we're discussing i'm i'm thinking about and and just you know realizing that even within something that is maybe more genre driving and has taken over for rock in many ways is is hip-hop and um they just at the Grammys, they had a celebration of 50 years of hip hop because it is 50 years old this year. And I mean, within that, even over the last, it it feels like as long as it has, it has existed as a genre, there have been people being like, oh, you know, you don't, you don't do it. Uh, you know, I want my old school hip hop station and everything else. And, and people like, um, you know they want to listen to people like Nas and and Jay-Z and things but then you know Lil Baby comes on or or you know these more modern artists and it's like I I don't like that and it's it's almost just this reaction of of I'm used to my you know I'm used to my Domino's pizza don't come over here with this this special Neapolitan one don't you know I am not I am uncomfortable with that and and so it's like this this discomfort is is not unique to to just those radio stations it is you know it's it's like everything else there are gatekeepers and they are really mad when you 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 challenge them yeah and and so maybe maybe place to wrap this up is to circle back to the the chuck klosterman uh premise because i think the conclusion that he reaches is that it's impossible to determine in the moment who is going to be the figure that becomes the stand-in for the musical genre or the musical era 30, 50, 100 years from now. You just, for whatever reason, you can't... It, it's something that you, you can't see the future. You don't know who's going to come around tomorrow. You don't, you know... I, I now you have to add we don't know who's going to get milkshake ducked um and and who we're going to describe you know decide as a horrible person because like uh, honestly the best the best guess any of us would have had f- five years ago was kanye but i i mean i do wonder if that that's gonna be of less importance in 50 years that's a whole another topic but well, I mean, that's that depends who's remembering. Like, I will because I lived through it and it was so important. I will remember why I stopped listening to Kanye and why I continued to not listen to Kanye. Which is that's a thing that you know, depending on your 
I mean, admittedly, your political persuasions. Like, I haven't listened to Kanye for seven years now, and I, you know, I still feel strongly about it. But you know, this is there are plenty of artists where this discussion has come up. I mean, Michael Jackson is another example. Um, it will come up with R. Kelly as well, someone who had lots of very big hits and everything else. And I'm not going to listen to them. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I remember it because I was there. If you weren't there, I don't know that those are going to be triggers to you. Yeah. Although if, if you weren't there, you are then dependent on finding your way to Kanye through someone else. Are people going to pass down Kanye West music to their kids? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you going to, you're answering the Not question. Me. Yes. I'm saying people will. Well, and I also think when it's like, oh, why did rock die? It's going to be like, well, Kanye West. Because there the were game. other things that, that captured the common attention. Um, also the real person I was trying to look up and couldn't think of is Lil Uzi Vert. And like, there there's your thing like how how people respond to innovation it's like where that is a prime example of which which side of of that do you sit on but anyways all right i'm gonna uh, stick to my fleetwood mac you're naming yeah, naming fine. a lot of musical artists i've never heard of <laughs> <laughs> kanye now kanye west was a a famous rapper and producer who then became a crazy person Pierce, didn't you listen to Kanye West on Sunday? On Sunday? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, last Sunday. Okay. Oh, well, no, I listened to Rihanna. Oh, boy. All right. On that note, that those last few jokes went over like a, a lead balloon, lead zeppelin, <laughs> if you will. So maybe it's time to move on to Pierce is Sorry. Yeah, so... Um, this 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 occasion has passed and i think i did not deal with it well which is when someone asks you a question and you can answer it and it will not cause you any actual pain and someone is asking for help you should probably offer them help i mean i'm not what's his name with like if it's just your shoes that are going to get wet you should go and get the the kid out of the pool um is that peter singer yes um yeah we're not going to talk about him but uh, in general, this is the principle. So the thing that made me cringe and I did not, I, I could not leave the room fast enough and I had to let someone else step in and do this. And I'm, I'm sorry to that person for having to answer and address this question from another adult, an adult of, of middle age plus when suggested that we play a game and the game was well i won't say the game yet an easy game everybody can play we thought the response was i've played this before and had a lot of trouble with it can you explain apples to apples to me to which i wanted to run out of the room and and drive away because i feel like that's a red flag if someone like does not recognize how that game is played and is an adult. So I did not help and I maybe should have, and I maybe shouldn't have reacted so strongly, but like 
if that is a game that you're not getting, maybe we shouldn't play games was, was my thought. And I think that that was somewhat unfair. I think that was pretty unfair, too. I don't know about you. I've never played Apples to Apples in my life. I don't I don't remember how to, I, I think I played it once. I don't it's remember. Apples to Apples is G-rated Cards Against team. Humanity. Oh, yeah. was that how it was explained to the person? No, this person has not played Cards Against Humanity, but, but they typically played you would before. describe Cards Against Humanity as an R-rated version of Apples to Apples, considering that was kind of what started the whole thing. Depends on your timing and which game you played first. Depends on what music your dad listened to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I th- this is a pretty reasonable apology on your part. Yeah. You pick the cards you like. Yeah. That's the yeah, only that's rule. A, pick the cards you like. And then if they ask follow-up questions, then you walk out of the room. <laughs> there are no follow-ups. Uh, all right. We'll do a quick... Big idea from pop culture, uh, and and we talked about Pierce. You mentioned Little Baby. Uh, I just recently finished the audiobook version of Rap Capital, an Atlanta story, by <clears throat> Joe Coscarelli, who is a uh, like a music reporter for the New York Times. Wrote a whole book about um, the sort of rising prominence of Atlanta in the modern age uh, as the the center of the the hip hop world uh, you know the the vision that that outcast had when when Andre 3000 went to the source awards and said the south got something to say um, it's not really a it's not a book about you know outcast goody mob it's actually about modern age Atlanta hip hop and really focuses heavily on um, Migos and Lil Baby as kind of the, the central figures. But it was a, a, a good good read, well narrated if you if you want to approach it via the audiobook, but uh either way would would recommend. Um all right. Let's close up shop with a trivia question. Max, what do <clears throat> you got? All right. I have a question uh on etymology. Oh, boy. So hopefully this will make sense to everyone. Um, Presumably we've all been to a grocery store and you might buy bananas. Uh, They're the yellow fruit that grow in um, what you'd call maybe a bunch. So bananas grow on a tree in a big segment of like a cluster of, of bunches. But then at the store, they're separated into packs of anywhere from maybe three to seven or eight bananas. Question is, what are those clusters or packs of bananas called? So what is a group of bananas called, but it's, it's, not, a, it's not the bigger cluster or bunch? Uh, option A, a huddle of bananas. Option B, a battalion of bananas. Option C, a boodle of bananas. Or option D, a hand of bananas. I'm going to say C. I'll I'd, say I'd D. Just... I'm going to go with C as well. Give me a boodle. All right. The correct answer is D, a hand of bananas. <laughs> oh, that's nifty. <laughs> Kevin. 
hot damn. Making a little bit of a comeback. I just need multiple choice to come back. That's all a I bo- need. A boodle is sort of a generic term for a, for a group of things from the origin of a kit and caboodle. Uh, mm-hmm. It was uh, the, from a soldier's kit. Uh, a boodle is a, a generic from the term bottle grouping of, of things, but typically referred to a group of people. Um, hand of bananas. And in within that hand, uh, each banana is referred to as a finger. So, ah, you learn something I, every day. That's, that's great. Peanut butter that and is. finger sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> New Halloween treat. Ugh. Okay, uh, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, or you can subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.